Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. I'm glad to be here with you today for week three in our mixtape series. I have a question I want to start out with. How many people here would consider yourself a dog person? Dog people? Okay, any cat people in the house? Okay, well, I'm going to be praying that the Lord speaks to you through this message. There will be an altar call at the end. But we have a dog, Bauer. We've had him for about 12 years, and he, since day one, has been a very special dog. Uh, He's part... Uh, pug and part beagle. So you can imagine he's this like cute little compact package. But one thing that Bauer has been since day one is he has always had this identity that he is our watchdog. He's sweet as can be. He'll lick you to death if you actually come through the door. But every single day, 24-7, Bauer is on high alert. He can bound over a five-foot fence in one jump. I mean, he is an agile, powerful little watchdog and he sees himself as this in fact the same landscapers that we have had for 10 years they come week in week out every single week the dog loses his mind for two hours while they chop and they mow and they cut the grass and he is just his the hair on the back of his body is standing up and he is on high alert and not too long ago we had a really really funny situation happen we woke up in the morning and bauer is just standing at our fireplace and the hair on the back of his neck all across is just on straight up and he is just like silently standing staring at the fireplace like growling quietly and I went over and I could hear that in the chimney there was a bird flapping around and obviously stuck inside the chimney and I thought oh no this is poor bird how are we going to get him out I felt kind of bad for the bird and then the family started to wake up and um, Bauer is just standing there the entire time at this fireplace my daughter came out and she was looking and just thought it was so cute that he was just like ready to protect us so she stands down next to him and she's like oh Bauer is there a bird in that chimney and just like that the bird flew out of the chimney into the house across the room she screamed I screamed everyone in the house is screaming this bird is like what is happening and in one second the dog leaped across the room into the air grabbed the bird in his mouth broke its neck and it laid flat on the ground dead in an instant there was blood everywhere there was feathers and it was like what just happened and I looked at that dog and I said buddy you have been waiting your entire life for this moment haven't you because he had every single day he had showed up ready to protect us and that day he finally got to do his job and as I was preparing for this message I kept hearing this phrase over and over again and it's this question how do you show up in your relationships in your marriage How do you show up? And I believe today as we dive in, I think God wants to really challenge us and ask a question that that maybe we don't even realize that our answer is a huge, the answer to that question, how we show up, has a lot to say about what we will experience in our relationships, about how we will experience our relationships. I think so many times we feel powerless 
in our relationships. We are frustrated because our spouse doesn't do this or we wish that they would do that and they, we want them to stop doing this and we find ourselves in this helpless place. And I believe what God wants to do today is to actually empower us to see that within the relationships he's placed in our life, he's actually given us the power to step in and to see change. And part of that change comes with when we answer that question, how do you and how do I show up in our relationships? Thinking about this question, what is it like to be in a relationship with you? What is it like? What's it like to be married to you? I don't think we stop to consider that very often. I think so much we're wrapped up in what we want to see, the changes we want to make. And what we don't realize is that 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 line of thinking sucks not only the um, joy from our marriage, but it sucks the power out of it too. And as we begin to ask that question, how do I show up in marriage? What's it like to be in a relationship with me? We are able to gain back, and I think what God wants to give us today is the power to see change within our relationships. The enemy is after marriages. I don't know if you know that, but he is. He really is. And it's not just the big headlining, um, really, subjects that are controversial. He's actually after your marriage. He's after the marriages within the church. And the reason that I think that he is is because if the marriages within the church are equally as miserable as the marriages outside of the church, who 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 needs to serve a God like that? Who needs to serve a God that if I'm just as miserable with him in my marriage, then without him, why bother? And that strips the world of hope. And what I believe God wants to do within the church is really ignite something in marriages that gives people a vision of what he designed us to live. Ones that when you go into work, people know you're real, you walk through struggles, but they see something in you that they do not have and they want to know how do you fight like that. How are you still standing after you've walked through that? And in that, I believe that God wants to not only bring glory to himself, but he wants to create power within these relationships and and work in the lives, not just marriages, but in the hearts of people. And so I believe that when we begin to ask this question, how do I show up? We're deciding and joining with God to say, I want to make a change. I want to make a difference. And so the title of my message I got from the great relationship guru, we all know and love, Michael Jackson. The title of this message is, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm starting with the man of the mirror. And I love this idea of looking in the mirror because I think it's so easy for you and I to step in and start analyzing our lives. We can analyze our marriage. We know every single thing that's wrong. We can name off a list. We know what's wrong with ourselves. So many of us walk around painfully aware of all of our shortcomings. And as soon as we start to forget, we may have our spouse right there just to remind us. But there's this picture of when we actually look into a mirror, what we see is our reflection. And I love the idea of reflecting because for me, reflecting is actually inviting God into the process to take an honest look at where I'm at. It's not me analyzing. It's not me coming up short. It's me saying, God, What is it like to be married to me? What is it like to be in a relationship with me? God, help me see 
how I can step in? How am I showing up? Psalms 139, verse 23, David says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the everlasting life. Reflecting isn't analyzing. It's inviting God to show up with 100% grace and 100% truth and give us clarity into how we can step in and make a change in the relationships we have. James 1, verse 24 and 25 says this, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word. But then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. How do we show up? And today, I believe we're going to take some time to actually reflect on how we show up. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to look into his word, and we're going to see how he shows up. We can see the greatest relationship advice ever simply by looking and watching how God shows up time and time again throughout scripture. When the Israelites were facing the Red Sea before him, them and the Egyptian army behind them, God showed up as a rescuer in that moment. When they were starving in the desert, God showed up as a provider. When Jairus came to him and said, my daughter is sick, he showed up as a healer. He shows up time and time and time again throughout scripture. When Lazarus died, Jesus showed up and brought him back to life. And I believe there may be some relationships in this place and you feel like they are dead. There's no hope. There's no life, there's no breath left in them. And I believe today he wants to show up and revive what feels like it's dead. He shows up every single time. And the way we're going to see how he shows up is we're going to ask three questions. And I want you to imagine these three questions coming out of the mouth of your significant other, your spouse, your most intimate relationships. I want you to imagine them asking this question. And by doing so, I believe that we'll get a glimpse of how we show up. We'll get a glimpse of what it's like to be in a relationship with us. So the first question is this. Can I reach you? Can I reach you? We talk about the power of connection. And when we look throughout scripture, God puts connection over everything. As soon as connection was broken with mankind in the garden, immediately his redemption plan came into play. Immediately. The entire, everything else we read throughout scripture is God's attempt to reconnect with man in relationship. He prioritizes connection over everything. So many times in our relationships, we want to fix all these things on the surface. We want them to do this. We wish they would stop doing that. If they only put the toilet seat down, if they only showed up on time for dinner, if they only did this or that, or if she initiated sex eight times a week, all of these things that we wish and hope, and pray, but the reality is, is all of these things are on the surface, and God knew this when he sent his son Jesus. You can't fix any of that stuff until you reestablish the connection, and so in marriage, the number one thing we have to establish, we can't fix a broken marriage when it's broken. You can't. You have to reestablish that connection. Listen to what, uh, what the Bible says in John 14, 4, it says this, 
God pursues connection with us above everything. He says in John 14, 4, 6, so you must re remain in life union with me. For, if, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless until you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. When the connection in our marriages is strong, we have power to change them. And so in this same way that God cultivated connection with us, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He realized and understood that in our brokenness, in our shortcomings, he had to first establish connection before he could begin to transform who we were. And the same principle happens in our marriage. That connection is what gives us power to change all these other things. You, you've heard the phrase, love covers a multitude of sins, and it does. When you think back to when you first fell in love, all of those things didn't matter. Why? Because there was a connection so strong and so powerful and so vibrant, nothing else really mattered. And if we have that type of connection, we will see the power to change the problems and the struggles that we find ourselves in and the cycles that we keep repeating over and over again. Some of us are more concerned with our cell phone connection than we are with our marital connection. We're more aware of how many bars we have at any time. And if the signal starts to wane, what do we do? We go to where we can get a stronger signal. We know that an app's broken, it's not working. Well, I just, I don't have a signal right now, so of course it's not working. And so we go to a position where we have more bars. And what happens? We can begin to see things working as they should. If we were just as aware of that connection within our relationships. And when we sensed it start to wane and start to get less and we moved to a place where, oh my gosh, I gotta strengthen my signal because it's starting to fade, what would our marriages look like if we were that aware of the connection? Can I reach you? It's this picture of intimacy in our marriages. Can I reach you? How do you show up? Are you vulnerable in your relationships? I find it so incredible that the God of the universe, the one who created everything, who was and is and is to come, he knows everything, the end from the beginning has all power, and yet he allows us to know him. Like when you begin to think about the reality that God allows us to know him, he allows us, he gives us access to his heart. John 17, 3 says this, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you sent. Isaiah 56, 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Being known is a choice. Do you give the people in your life, do you give your spouse access to your heart? Are you vulnerable? And for some of us, that is hard. I know this from personal experience. It is hard. We have unmet expectations. We have disappointment. We carry shame. We carry just these cycles. And some of us don't even actually know what we think, feel, or want, or need. And so it's hard to articulate, it's hard to let anyone in. I sat with a counselor not too long ago and she said, this struggle that you're having with being known and being seen, it starts with you. It starts with you knowing what you need 
and you knowing that you see yourself. And in relationships, sometimes we can be so walled up by the past, by the hurt, and we don't let people see us. We don't let our spouse have access to the deepest places of our heart. And without that, there is no intimacy and there can be no connection. How do you show up? Do you show up vulnerable? Many people think that vulnerability is weakness for them. To be protected means to be powerful, right? To be guarded is to be strong. That's not what we see in scripture. There's no weakness in vulnerability. In fact, it's the greatest courage, takes the most courage of anything. If you think about the greatest act of vulnerability, the cross, the Bible says God so loved the world, he was so obsessed with the world that he sent his son to die. Not just because it was a sure thing and everyone was going to accept his love and they were all going to, you know, see him as the savior. In fact, no, it says for whosoever, like whoever, it, they might receive me, they might reject me, but I cannot bear life without them. And that risk, putting it all on display and when we show up in vulnerability in our relationships, we're communicating the exact same thing that the cross does, and that's this. You're worth it. You're worth it. I'm willing to put myself out there. I'm willing to let you see me, the ugly pieces, the great pieces, all of it, and trust that I don't know how you're going to react. I don't know how you're going to respond, but I'm not willing to live a life without that connection to the point that I'm willing to risk that vulnerability. And when we show up with this kind of vulnerability, we give the people in our lives, we give our partner access to our heart. And it says you're worth it to them. And some of us I know have work to do in this area, and it is hard, but it is worth the work. The most amazing thing about marriage is this. When you work at it, it works. You will not see greater rewards. There's no relationship in your life that has more power to bring you the greatest joy, the greatest significance, the greatest satisfaction. Any other relationship is our marriage. And it is worth the work. It is worth the risk. It is worth what it takes for you to get to the place where you can be seen, where you choose to be known, and you choose to show up in vulnerability. Can I reach you? The second question is this. Can I rely on you? Are you safe? Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The righteous run to it and are safe. How do you show up? Are you a safe place for your partner? Here's three quick ways that we can show up as a safe place for our partner. And it may not be exactly what you think. The first one is awareness. We ought to be a student of our spouse. We have to be a student. Listen to Psalms 139, the way the Lord shows up in relationships. It says in verse 1, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And all the parents said we finish each other's sandwiches. Be a student of your spouse. Never stop learning. One of my favorite names for God is El Roy, which means the God who sees. He doesn't miss a single thing. What are you missing in your relationship? What's getting by you? You and I ought to give God a run for his money on being a student of your spouse. 
We have in the notes that you'll see, we have online an intimacy interview that just gives you some questions because people change. Time goes by, and if you're not asking continually and staying on top of it and taking notes, and when you're sad, I'm going to notice it. And when you're having a rough week, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to know what you need when you have a rough week. I'm going to pay attention and be a student and be so aware in doing that, we make ourselves a safe space for our spouse. The second way that we can show up in safety is show up with acceptance. Show up in acceptance. That means that we allow our spouse to be different than us. And that is sometimes hard. But what happens is so many times we moralize simple preferences. We make it right or wrong when it's just a matter of personality differences. And when we begin to see the differences that God wired our spouse with and actually celebrate those and thank God for them rather than despise them, which is what can happen, we can see that our spouse can run to us. And, the, and here's what ought to be. Your spouse should find the safest place to be fully themselves and fully accepted with you. With you. There should be no other person on the planet that knows them, accepts them for all their quirky, weird ways better than you do. We should be the safest earthly place for the people in our lives to run to, for our spouses to run to in marriage. Do you leave room for your spouse to be themselves in your relationship? Psalms 139.13 says this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I love this quote. To dream the person you would like your partner to be, to dream about the person you would like your partner to be is to waste the person your partner is. To waste the person they are. Wouldn't it be incredible if your spouse felt like they were totally understood and completely accepted for who they were in their relationship with you? Awareness, acceptance, and the third one is affirmation. This world can be tough. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got, right? And I believe that God has designed our marriages to be the place that we can run to for affirmation. Where I can come to and say, remind me of who I am. Because I'm not feeling too great today. I need you to see in me what I cannot see in myself. And this is something that God does for us every single time. Psalms 139.17 says this, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And think about this for just a second. God's thoughts about us are so numerous they couldn't even be counted, but also they are precious. Now, when you begin to know that God sees everything, he doesn't miss a thing. He knows all of our shortcomings. He knows every single failure. He knows how you missed it with your kids. He knows how you were rude, how you lied. He knows every single thing about you. For David, he knew everything that he had done. And yet, his thoughts about him were not only numerous, they were precious. That means there was an intentionality in God's thoughts. He thinks, he chooses what he's going to think about us. What do you think about your spouse? What are your thoughts? You may be able to rehash and rehearse over and over again the ways they haven't shown up, how they failed, but that is going to get you disconnected and isolated. 
But when we, like God, choose to stir up and see what is good and affirm what is real and honest, I'm not talking about flattery. Flattery will get you nowhere. But when you begin to see what is good, gosh, you're, you're a good man. You show up. Every night you come home. Some people go out, they do this, but you, you show up every night. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that you are a kind mother, that you take care of our kids. You're self-sacrificing. What is it that you can see? What is real? What is true? And what can we affirm? And we have to begin to stir up those thoughts and choose to think precious thoughts. Choose to speak them. If you think it, say it. I believe that we are called to be the safest earthly relationship our spouses will ever know. There should be no more safe place for them to run. And to do that, we have to, number one, show up with awareness, acceptance, and affirmation. Can I rely on you? Are you safe? The third question is this, will you stay? Will you stay? Will you fight for us? And in every marriage, we know this to be true. It's not a question of if, but it's a question of when the storms will come. Jesus promised us that. Aren't we so glad that in this world we would have trouble? And he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. It's not a matter of if we're going to have trouble in relationships. It's a matter of when. Throughout scripture, you've probably heard that there are several Greek words for the word love. And the one I think that we're probably most often used and are acquainted with is this word phileo love. It's like the give and take, the friendship kind of love. But I think it's one in marriage that we see often. You're kind to me, I'm kind to you. You do this for me, I do this for you. We have an agreement. This is what we do. And there's eros love, which is the sensual kind of love, and, and it's the, the, the drawing to and the erotic type of love. And then we have the storge love, which is the family, like just the easy family kind of love. And then there's a fourth kind of love, because all three of those other kind of loves are dependent upon two people. They're based upon, my love for you is based upon you. But then we have a different scripture. And this love is supreme over all, and it's agape love. And this is the kind of love when we talk about God being love. This is his kind of love, agape love. And what I love about it is this kind of love demonstrates the character and nature of God that he loves without regard to us. Doesn't consider the condition of the person he puts that love on and sets that love on. And this is an ultimate picture of how God shows up in relationships. That whosoever, I'm going to show up, I'm going to give, I'm going to be faithful day in, day out. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life with my goodness and my mercy. You're never going to have to wonder because I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. There's not one thing you could do that can make me run from you. Psalms 139 says, if I... It says in verse 5, you go before me, you follow me, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. 
If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning and I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I can't hide from you. I'm not leaving. If you want to see change in your relationships, change in your marriage, show up like this. This is the kind of love that causes people to take down the walls that they've spent years putting up. This is the kind of love that allows people to feel ultimately safe and take a deep breath and say, I'm here. This is the kind of love that reestablishes connection when it's been broken. This is the love that never fails. And you may be in calm waters now, but when the storm rages, this is the love that brings healing. You know, when Brad and I, some of you know this story a little bit, but we met when I was 12 years old. So I was a child. And it was, I would say, if you, like, were counting storybook, fairy tale beginnings, we probably had that. Like, I have journal entries of when I was 14 years old, writing, like, God, if if I can't have him, you know, just give me somebody like him. I just want to be married to him. I'm 14, and, and he walked into church the first time I saw him with these suspenders, And for some reason, he just looked like Brad Pitt from A River Runs Through It. And I thought, Lord, you have provided. (laughs) Like, that, I need this in my life. And so it was my desire and my prayer. And I waited and I prayed and I waited. And years later, God delivered the actual man of my dreams. The actual man of my dreams. And we served in ministry together. And there was passion. There was poetry. It was amazing. There was love. And I knew without the shadow of the doubt, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you this so that you know there could be no more clear communication from heaven that he was meant for me. Nothing. I knew it. And I've always known it. And yet, I'll never forget the Christmas Eve when I sat in the darkness of my house and I looked around and we were in trouble. We were in a storm. And I was... I just, I had been believing lies. I had been disappointed. I'd been carrying hurt for a long time. And what happened was I stopped showing up and darkness crept in. And I'll remember sitting in my living room that night, just looking at the lights of the Christmas tree, thinking, this will probably be my last Christmas in this house because we're not going to be married next year. And I knew it. I believed it. I had no hope. I couldn't see a way out. I was literally living in darkness. But this, this is the same man, the same marriage that I prayed for, that I knew came straight from heaven. And even still, that's where I found myself. The only way I can describe it, and maybe this makes sense to you, in my mind it does. Have you ever seen those like vignettes, those movies where everything's really dark, like all around it? And I had gotten so focused on what I was missing out on what I needed, I was like living in this cloud of darkness. And and the life that I was living in was everything I'd asked for, everything I prayed for, but I couldn't see it because all I could see was just my hurt, my pain, and my need. And it was a hard place to be in. And I stayed there for several months, and I will never forget the day that he turned the lights on for me. In one moment, I was sitting on my couch. Clarity came like I hadn't seen it in years. And it was like suddenly that darkness was gone. And I looked around 
and I saw that my home, my children, my husband, everything that I had was everything I'd ever prayed for, everything I'd ever wanted. And I was broken and lost, and I had no hope, and I didn't know a way out. And it's amazing how the same enemy that is there in darkness, lying and keeping you in bondage, when the lights come on, he shows up with buckets of shame. Buckets of shame. And I sat there just thinking, I'm a mess. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know what's going to happen. But then something incredible happened. My husband showed up. And he didn't show up to remind me how broken I was. He didn't show up with guilt or condemnation. He showed up with that agape love. And he got down in the well with me. And he said, I don't care how messy it is. I don't care how hard it is. I'm not leaving you. I pick you. I choose you. I'm not going anywhere. And we're getting out of this. This is the kind of love that never fails. This is the kind of love that God is for us. This is how he shows up. Later I asked him, I was like, how, how, how did you come in that moment like that? What, what made the difference? Because I couldn't see it. I didn't know how to get out. And he said, I'd been wrestling with my own things with the Lord, asking him that question, like, what am I going to do? And God met me in my pain, and he said this to him. He said, Brad, I want you to read my words of love in 1 Corinthians 13. And that's where agape is spelled out for us. But he said, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Brad looked, and he read, and he said, you've been reading this and seeing this your entire life as a standard that you have to measure up to, the kind of love that you're supposed to love with. Instead of seeing it, as a picture of who I am. This is who I am, Brad. This is how I show up. And he said, if you let me love through you, Brad, I will. This is the love that never fails. This is the kind of love that breaks down walls. But it's the only, it's the kind of love that can only show up when we stay connected to its source. And so in our situation and in our brokenness, it just took one person going first. One person showing up and saying, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. It's exactly what God does for us. First John 4.10 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Romans 8, 6, 8 says, when we were utterly helpless, utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In God's world, sorry, it's connection over everything. And the question for us is, will we show up? Will we fight for it? Will we? And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now all across this place.
And in this space, I want to give us a moment to reflect with God. I want to give us a moment to invite him in. And I want us to take an honest look. How have I been showing up? How have I been showing up? What's it like to be in a relationship with me? I know every one of us are walking through different circumstances and some of us are married, some of us are divorced, some of us are widowed, some of us are single. And I can tell you one thing for certain, we can live without a lot of things, but we cannot live without intimate relationships. We were never designed to live in isolation. The Bible describes the enemy as a lion prowling about, looking to see who he can devour. And, and what a lion does, it never goes right into the middle of the, the herd. Isolates. Finds the ones that are disconnected and out on the fringe. And I believe that there are some of us here today that are not only disconnected, we feel utterly alone, helpless, and isolated. Some of you are in a marriage and yet you feel alone. And I believe today is a day of coming home and making a decision that I've got to show up. I've got to show up in this life. I've got to show up in my relationships. I've got to show up in my marriage because I cannot live isolated. I cannot live disconnected. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would show up in this moment, real and present powerful like only you can do Lord I thank you that your love today permeates hearts it's safe we can trust it we can reach you God we can rely on you and even if we have no one else in the world at this moment God we've got you and you said you'll never leave Lord, I speak to every heart in this place, and I just ask that you would come alongside us and show us the reflection of who we are and how we can step towards intimate and powerful relationships, God. I ask you to meet us here today, to get in our well with us and show us the way out. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.